0: This is the Sideline Dissonant Podcast, coming to you from YouTube and iTunes. Follow me on Twitter, as always, at the Brad Whitaker. I am the Brad Whitaker. Got a good one for you today. Second time is the charm. I shot this entire podcast about two hours ago, and uh, turns out once it was on YouTube, there was no sound, so hopefully it works out this time around great. Great national championship game last night, probably the best since USC and Texas faced off, and uh, if you you didn't watch if your head's been in the sand, uh, Clemson won the game with one second left on the clock, big clutch touchdown uh, from Deshaun Watson, Uh, Dabo Sweeney, great game calling, great second half adjustments for Clemson. It was a fantastic game all around. Uh, Clemson won the game 35-31. to Last second win. Uh, three t- You could have tuned into the game in the last 15 minutes and you would have said, this is the greatest football game I've ever watched. It was that good. Uh, Clemson scored, took the lead. Alabama scored, this is all in the final minutes, Alabama scored, Left still left too much time on the clock, two minutes left, Clemson went into their two-minute offense and uh, scored the game-winning touchdown, leaving just one second left on the clock, as good of a football game as college football game, at least, as you could ever ask for. Um, and as I said, people are comparing this game to USC-Texas, not quite the big... Uh, juggernaut quarterback matchup is Matt Leinart and Vince Young, but what Deshaun Watson did out there opened a lot of eyes, and I think he pretty much clinched the number one uh, draft spot, Deshaun Watson, so have fun in Cleveland, Deshaun. Uh, but it was good for the sport. You need national championships like that, especially, you know, the college football playoff kind of stumbled out of the gate. There's been a lot of blowouts, uh, especially this year. There were... Uh, two blowouts in the semifinal round. So it was good. We had a national championship, you know, in the NFL, uh, it's the new England Patriots. They're the gold standard. They're the franchise to beat. They're the dynasty. Alabama's the same way in college football. Many argue that Nick Saban is the greatest college football coach of all time. Um, I, I, it's good for the sport to see Alabama get beat like that. Um, and you know, I, uh, I'm, I haven't been shy admitting I'm a New England Patriots fan. Uh, i mention mentioned it about 12 times a podcast. Uh, watching the Patriots over the years, they rarely lose. They don't make many mistakes. But when they do lose, there's two ways that they lose. They typically get beat because uh, the defense is able to get to the quarterback, and Brady's hearing footsteps the whole game. Uh, or the Patriots lose a special teams battle. Now, New England rarely loses a special teams battle, almost always gets great field position and gives the opponent poor field position. You could say the same thing about Alabama. Their special teams has been tremendous all season long. Yesterday, at least in the second half last night, Alabama lost the special teams battle. And Clemson, you have to give them credit for that. Everyone wants to point the blame. At Alabama's offensive coordinator change, as if Steve Sarkeesian was the reason why the Crimson Tide lost the game. Uh, if, if you hadn't heard Lane Kiffin, he was the offensive coordinator uh, all season long. Uh, one of the most clever offensive minds, not saying Sarkeesian isn't clever, he's brilliant offensive mind, but Kiffin is just clever, and Alabama's been successful offensively, even with a terrible quarterback. Now I don't want to say Jalen Hurts is terrible, but he's a true freshman. He can't throw the ball downfield. Uh, he's more of a mobile quarterback and relies on that big offensive line in front of him and uh, great running backs and great receivers, as Alabama always has. Uh, but you can't put the blame on Steve Sarkeesian. Lane Kiffin... Coach the semifinal round, I think Nick Saban looked at film and said, Kiffin, we're not getting 100% effort from you. Those two reportedly haven't seen eye to eye all season long. And uh, uh, Saban dismissed Kiffin before the national championship game, or, or it was mutual, apparently. Uh, but Kiffin had other priorities, like building a program from scratch at Florida Atlantic. And I think he'll do a good job there. Uh, but. Having Steve Sarkeesian as your backup offensive coordinator isn't too shabby. And I wouldn't be surprised if Sarkeesian has a uh, college head coaching gig at the start of next season, or if he jumps ship to the NFL, either as an assistant, a QB coach, or even an offensive coordinator. Hell, if Josh McDaniels leaves the Patriots and gets a head coaching gig, I would not mind Steve Sarkeesian being New England's offensive coordinator. I think he would do a great job. So you can't put the blame on Sarkeesian. He doesn't have a great quarterback. Uh, The best throw of the game from Alabama came from a wide receiver, and Sarkeesian was smart. He went out with a conservative game plan. It worked for most of the first half um, and par- partially through the second half. Um, but he had a few trick plays up his sleeve. And Alabama took advantage of opportunities in the fourth quarter. They took that late lead, uh, but they left two minutes left on the clock. And Deshaun Watson in that offense was just too much. And uh, really, I think the turning point in that game was... Uh, in the second half, when Clemson figured out, they made their offensive adjustments, and they controlled time of possession. Now, I don't think I think that has less to do with Clemson's offense and more to do with Alabama's offense. Believe it or not, uh, the, Alabama lost their running back, their big power running back, Bo Scarborough. Uh, that injury was costly. They couldn't get those first downs. They had a bunch of three and outs. Uh, and Bama's defense got tired. They were on the field for a long time, and uh, I wouldn't say that Clemson, they they certainly made adjustments, but they didn't change their game plan that much. They just had the ball a lot more in the second half, and because of that, it completely wore down Alabama's dominant defense. And... What you saw from, saw from uh, Deshaun Watson was incredible. And and that wide receiver, Mike Williams, he has some of the greatest hands I've ever seen. He's like, and he's so physical too, and he can jump very high. He's like Dez Bryant that can run routes effectively. I was very impressed with Mike Williams. Uh, I'm I'm not sure if he's going to be a first rounder. I'm not a big NFL draft guy, but whome- whichever NFL team gets Mike Williams is going to get a very talented receiver to add to their offense now unfortunately uh the ratings were not very good last night not as good as you would expect from what will uh, a national championship we'll be talking about for decades uh this wasn't usc texas though i mean these weren't alabama sure they are the national powerhouse program they're the team to beat in all of college football uh but they're not nationally a popular team, and Clemson is certainly a regional program. So if you compare this to USC-Texas, uh, everyone watches USC. Whether you're from New England, you're watching USC play college football games. Same, things with t- same thing with Texas. And uh, I think that's part of the reason the ratings were low, is Alabama and Clemson just do not have the nationwide appeal that some other programs do. And, uh, I think that's all the reason why we need an 8 or a 16 team playoff. So you can grow some of the love for these teams over a 3 or 4 round playoff rather than just a semifinal in a national title game with 4 teams. And, uh, you know, if you have a situation like this year, where the first two games were blowouts, that's not good for college football. And, you know, early on in the national title game, I thought Alabama was going to run away with it. It looked like that was going to happen until Bo Scarborough got hurt. Uh, But if you have an 8- or uh, 16-team playoff, all that does is just increase the possibility of a lot of close games. And, uh, you know, Clemson very well could have not been in that national championship game last night. You know, they won a lot of very close games this season to a lot of not-so-great teams. Had Clemson dropped a single one of those close games, they wouldn't have been in the national title game. And, uh, you know, it's a shame because what was the other great bowl game we were all talking about? We were talking about the Rose Bowl, USC and Penn State. Two, Two programs that stumbled out of the gate and then got progressively better as the season went on, and I think you could argue that USC and Penn State should have been in that college football playoff over Washington uh, and, and who's oh, Ohio State. Uh, and in fact, the coaches poll came out, USC finished third overall in the nation. I think they started the season one and three. They're third overall. So... If that isn't a reason to expand the playoff i I mean it could be eight teams. I've argued it should be sixteen teams uh, because let you know when when you have when you have a lot of young players, especially now in college football where recruiting is so competitive that you have to guarantee starting spots for true freshmen there is a tremendous learning curve as the season goes on so You have these teams like USC and Penn State that will stumble out of the gate, or even Clemson, who was not the same team two months ago as they are now, and they get punished for getting better because they lose the first few games of the season. Give them that chance to move into a 16-team field. If, if you have four or five lost teams making the top 16, those teams could be competitive for the national title by the end of the season. But because they lost so many games early in the year, you can't punish them for getting better. That just doesn't make any sense. Now, I don't want to take anything away from Alabama or Clemson. They very well might be the top two teams in the nation. I would have liked to see USC get a chance. I would have liked to see Penn State get a chance. Those two teams played each other very competitively in in providing one of the greatest Rose Bowls you'll ever see. I mean, we need to change this. We need to get rid of these 41 bowl games. I think there's 41 bowl games now. Keep the bowls, but put them in a playoff format. Shorten the regular season. Find out a way to do it. All right. There's, so, there's such a, like, in college football, so many people trying to protect and maintain the status quo. There's so many football fans in the NFL right now, and they just are not crossing over into college football, and there's a reason for that. Give people what they want. Give them a good playoff. USC and Penn State are two teams that I think belonged in the playoff, and it would have been really fun to see either of those teams go up against Alabama or Clemson. That being said, Alabama, Clemson, great game last night. We'll be talking about this national championship game for a long, long time. And you know, I, I again, it, when the New England Patriots were dropped by the New York Giants in those two Super Bowls, people celebrated all across the country outside of New England. It's the same thing when Alabama loses, and uh, you know, this is the first time Nick Saban's ever lost a national championship game. It was fun came down to the last second. That's really what you want to see. Expand this playoff. We want more games like this. Nobody wants to see a bowl game that doesn't mean anything between two 500 teams. It just, nobody wants to see that. So, great great for college football last night. Alabama-Clemson had a lot of fun watching it. Uh, Went late on the East Coast, uh, but it was definitely worth staying up for. I think Deshaun Watson could be a great NFL quarterback. He's not really great at any one thing. Uh, but he's good at just about everything, and I, that seems to be what makes a difference in the NFL. Uh, had people known that about Dak Prescott, he would have been drafted earlier than the third round. He doesn't make mistakes. I see a lot of the same thing in Deshaun Watson, but again, it's very hard to predict which quarterbacks will and won't succeed in the NFL. Great, great college football game last night. Uh, great for the head coach Dabo Sweeney, who <laughs> loves the media. By the way, I don't think there's an if there's a college football head coach who detests the media more than Dabo Sweeney. He made some comments after the game that are just like, "All right, Dabo, you won. You you don't have to stick it to everyone. All right, you won." Makes Nick Saban look jolly. Anyways, I'm going to move on to the NFL now. Uh, I'll be previewing one game every day this week. I have three podcasts left this week, including this one. I will not. I refuse to preview the Patriots-Texans game, even though I'm a Patriots fan, because we all know that's going to be a shit show. So I'm just going to skip the Patriots-Texans preview, because it doesn't matter. Brock Osweiler against Bill Belichick, it doesn't matter. Um, Are they going to be shut out again? Probably not, but... Even with the Patriots being, I think, 17-point favorites, uh, I, I would still pick them to cover against Houston. Uh, but this week, uh, today I'll be previewing uh, the Seahawks and the Falcons divisional round matchup. Uh, should be a good one. Uh, earlier in the season these two teams actually played each other and believe it or not the Seahawks won the game. Uh, they were the home team. They won the game 26-24, to one of the best regular season games of this NFL season. That was back in week 6. Uh, both teams entered week 6 with one loss. Seahawks handed Atlanta their second loss of the season and obviously the rest of the year the, the Falcons played a little more consistent uh, with their offensive attack uh, and they ended up with that number two seed seat over Seattle. Both teams are fighting for that number two spot. Atlanta, in that game, they were actually down 17-3 to at halftime, but they took the lead in the third quarter. They scored 21 points, I think 21 straight points, um, but then Seattle ultimately overcame. It was a great chess match between Dan Quinn, the head coach of Atlanta, Kyle Shanahan, their brilliant offensive coordinator, uh, and, of course, Seattle's head coach, Pete Carroll, uh, Atlanta exposed Seattle's cover three in the third quarter, put up 21 points. Carroll made the adjustments in the fourth quarter. And then it came down to a fluke interception from Atlanta. Uh, Matt Ryan threw an interception in the final minutes that gave Seattle good field position. And they won by two points on a last-minute field goal. Great game. Hopefully it'll be another great game. Uh, And, uh, you know, nobody really has paid much attention to the Atlanta Falcons this season. uh, Except for Matt Ryan and Julio Jones. And as I said on uh, yesterday's podcast, I predict Matt Ryan will probably win the MVP uh, because he has the numbers to show it. Uh, Tom Brady missed the first four games of the year. He's my pick. Or Derek Carr, I think he should be considered if you're not going to pick Brady. But people kind of forgot about Derek Carr after he got hurt. Nobody's talking about him. And Aaron Rodgers just wasn't consistent early in the season. Uh, So even though his stats... Added up at the end of the year I don't think he'll win the MVP because of consistency whereas Matt Ryan in that offense has been very consistent but I think you have to give the credit to Kyle Shanahan the their offensive coordinator who might be the best offensive of mine in the NFL I've said in the past if Kyle Shanahan gets the Denver Broncos head coaching job and brings in Tony Romo, just put the Denver Broncos in the Super Bowl. With that defense and then the offensive mastermind of Kyle Shanahan, oh man, that Broncos team could be good if they can bring in a good quarterback like Tony Romo. And I wouldn't be surprised if the Broncos try to get Romo this offseason. But uh, Shanahan is still the offensive coordinator of Atlanta. And because of that, they're an offense that you need to score 30 to 40-plus points on to beat. And But everyone wants to give Matt Ryan. They want to give Julio Jones all the credit. There are other receivers on Atlanta that are pretty good, that Gabriel Fellas, Sanu, Hardy. They got a great receiving core, but the reason why Atlanta is so great offensively is because of their balanced attack. We remember Devontae Freeman, he... Ha- he Really had his coming out party early last season Before Atlanta started slumping He's still their primary back They also have Coleman There's a really strong balance attack On Atlanta's part And uh, Shanahan really knows how to use His offensive weapons And that's why I think it's going to be very difficult For Seattle to win this game Seattle's linebackers they're going to be worried about the running game. They can't be focused too much on the receiver, receivers, which is going to put a ton of pressure on Seattle's defensive backs to compensate for it. And I just don't think Richard Sherman can cover Julio Jones at this point in his career. He's going to need help. And if you double-team Julio, that's going to open up everyone else, especially if the linebackers are sitting there committed to stopping Coleman and Freeman. Uh... That being said, picking Seattle isn't a terrible idea if you're going off of historical evidence alone. Now, I think this season's a little bit different. I think it's good that Atlanta has kind of flown under the radar. They're going to have a chip under their shoulder. But we know historically Atlanta's had a lot of trouble in the postseason, at least since Matt Ryan's became became their quarterback. And Seattle always shows up to play. You know they're going to have a, a solid game plan. Their defense travels well. I just don't think their offense can outgun Atlanta. Atlanta's defense is nothing special, but they are middle of the pack, they are competent, and they do have a solid pass rush, which shows up occasionally. And what we found out uh, this year is Seattle's offensive line is abysmal. And they're the worst remaining O-line in the postseason of all the teams left. And uh, if Atlanta's... Pass rush is even on their game slightly. It's going to be a very rough game for Russell Wilson, and uh, you it, you can't expect Wilson to score thirty plus points of that offensive line. Even if Seattle's defense has a decent game, you know Atlanta's offense is going to score at least twenty points, probably thirty points. So it has to be a shootout for Russell Wilson uh, to win that game, and just it had the Seattle's. Offense hasn't been consistent. They've had one really great win, and that was on the road in Foxborough. Um, But the Patriots' defense, they have a great defense, especially now at this point. Uh, But their biggest weakness of all their units in New England is probably their pass rush, which is why Seattle was able to have such a great offensive game when they were on the road in Foxborough. I think Atlanta's pass rush will be just enough to give that O-line fits. Uh, You know, Seattle just doesn't invest in their offensive line, and it's worked for the last three to four seasons. It's worked out very well. They decided to put all their money in on that defense, uh, but, you know, now they have to pay Russell Wilson. They made that a priority recently. So, you know... That takes money away, and they sort of have an O-line by committee, and it changes every year. Every year in the NFL, there's one unit, which is, if this unit is playing well, that team is going to go far. This year, it's the offensive line. If you have a great offensive line, you're going to have a great football team. And just look at who are the two best teams in the NFL, the Dallas Cowboys and the New England Patriots. You could argue those are the two best offensive lines in the NFL right now. And Seattle's just is not great, and... Atlanta's defense is competent enough. They have a good enough pass rush that I don't think Seattle's going to be able to put up a lot of points on Atlanta. So they're going to need that defense to step up. And like I said, linebackers are going to be focused on the on the running game for Atlanta. If they can take that element out of the game, then it's going to come down to Seattle's defensive backs, which I don't know if they're going to be able to keep up with Jones, Gabriel, Sanu, or Hardy. It's just, there's only so many players you have out there on the field, and I think Seattle's defense has probably taken a step back this season, uh, so that'll be it'll be an interesting game. Again, historically, if you're going off of historical evidence, picking Seattle is a good choice, but just what we've seen production-wise from these two teams, I mean, Atlanta, they had, I think, what did they? I think they scored more points than any team in the NFL. Like, they scored almost 100 points more than the Patriots this year. That's a really great offense. And if their defense is on their game, I think they're going to beat Seattle. But if, they can, if their defense is on their game in the conference championship game, I think they could be in the Super Bowl pretty easily, believe it or not. So that's it for today's podcast. Hopefully this one actually recorded effectively. Um, like I said, I'll be previewing uh, two more. Divisional round matchups tomorrow will be Pittsburgh, Kansas City. And then on Thursday, I'll be previewing the one we're all looking forward to, which is Green Bay and Dallas. So again, I'll be back tomorrow. Uh, so be looking forward to that. Hopefully, I'll actually get to some NBA this week. Uh, and it's Nobody cares about the NBA until February. So I'm just giving the people what they want. So until tomorrow, I bid you adieu.